Welcome back to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, back today, Monday, July 12th, 2021. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, as always, here to break down UFC 264, McGregor versus Poirier, or Poirier versus McGregor, and go through all the uh, fights and just kind of talk about them. On top of that, I'll probably talk a little bit about what's going on this coming weekend with Islam Makachev and Thiago Moises. Moises. Um, other than that, make sure to check out SunscrapNation.com. And here in Charlotte, my buddy and Tiger Muay Thai coach, Matt Semper, will be coming to Charlotte, North Carolina at Charlotte Jiu-Jitsu Academy here um, August... 7th and 8th. It's a two-day event. It'll be around $80 for one day and then $150 for two days. Um, he's got a lot of cool stuff. He's worked with some of the great fighters from Tiger Muay Thai. And, you know, he's fought in one championship himself. He's fought over 80 kickboxing matches in Thailand and all over the globe. Um, he's from the United States, so that's kind of refreshing that I can bring someone in that can articulate the Thai style without having to bring an interpreter and someone that's lived over there for so long that they get it. Like they get what it's like and they get what the culture brings to the style of fighting. And he's got his own style as well. That works really, really well. And it's kickboxing based too. So it's a good, it'll, it'll, it translates well for MMA. Um, Whereas Muay Thai, not that it doesn't translate well for MMA, it's just very sport-specific. Just like sport jiu-jitsu, like I wouldn't bring in Hodger Gracie for a MMA grappling instructional, but I would bring Matt in um, for an MMA striking or just traditional kickboxing striking. Um, and it's the same thing with a Thai kickboxing coach. Like I wouldn't bring in an older Thai um kickboxing coach or Muay Thai coach to bring in for MMA striking. Now there's a lot of things they can take away from it that are great, but as far as sports specific, Muay Thai, but Matt brings and bridges that gap between the two. And I think that's awesome. That's why I'm excited to have him. So mark that down on your calendar. I know it's a couple weeks away already, but I'll be posting about it. Check out my Instagram and Facebook. Um, I don't think there will be anything on the website, but check out my Instagram and Facebook, DanielJonas94 at Instagram, on Instagram, and then Daniel Jonas. Um, all right, so why don't we get into the fights and get over what happened this past weekend. Go over what happened this past weekend. <clears throat> Obviously, the biggest thing that happened was the main fight of Dustin, the main event, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor for the trilogy. It lasted a round, and it didn't go into the second. It was a doctor stoppage, if someone wants to be so adamant about it. Actually, it comes in as a KO slash TKO. I don't know. Record-wise, I don't know how, if it goes down as a doctor stoppage or not, but... Connor was very adamant about it. Um, animosity going into this third one, it was very forced. Uh, a lot of people were making 
you know, body la- body language experts. Everyone comes out fight week, especially when press conferences happen and when Connor gets on stage. Everyone has a master in psychology at this point. So some people got it right, and yeah, it's very forced, and we saw it in his actual fight. It kind of seemed like he was trying to hype himself up. Fuck, Dustin got it right. It's insecurity. Um, it's just not the same guy. It's not that he's not a good fighter. It's not that he didn't just lose to the number one contender in the lightweight division. I'm sure if you put him against any other lightweight that's not ranked, he would finish them. It's not a, It's not an issue of that. It's not like a CM Punk thing where he's become so bad that he shouldn't even be in there. Strike-wise, he landed more than Dustin, but as I'm going to get into for a second, and Dustin, for as much as Dustin threw, you know, it was close. Connor landed more. It was still more accurate. Did that bite him in the ass? We'll get into it, yes. But what's funny is now they're record-wise, they're the same. Not record-wise, but loss-wise. They are both have six losses. Um, so as far as Connor, this isn't, tech, this isn't the end for him. Is this championship-level end? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you can easily see Dana going, okay, we'll just let Connor heal. We'll do this again. And if Dustin can get past Oliveira, Dustin versus Connor for the lightweight championship. Done. Easy. Sign it. It's the only logical way they can make Dust or Connor fight for the title and make oogles and boogles of money. Connor losing... It's like every time you're digging a hole deeper and deeper for MMA to just, like, die, especially the UFC. There are no other superstars. And when you try to come in and drum up this much hype within a week and say all this shit, like, you're going to bury this dude. You're going to walk him around the octagon like a dog that's about to be put down. You're doing the gun signs to your head and talking about how you're going to kill this motherfucker. And, like, you're just you're drumming up all this stuff. And he he's going dark Connor, like he's doing that thing again in order to get the clickbaits, in order to get people to tune in and want to watch. And then I don't know what the numbers are, I guarantee you, not as high as his other ones. Um, but when you do that and there's like no, it's not even genuine. And then you go out there and you perform the way you do. It's not that he's the worst. He's just not young anymore. He's His style is for a young guy. In and out movement, explosive, first round hell. Like, that's a young man's sport. Dustin aged with his fighting style. He used to be a banger and a brawler. And obviously, it got him caught in the Connor fight the first time. It got him caught a lot of times against Michael Johnson. But he's aged. He's taking Connor down in the first round. He's he's doing the veteran things you're supposed to. He's investing to the body and to the legs early. Yada yada yada. Like he's doing what you're supposed to do when you age with the sport. Connor's still trying to be the Connor from Dustin One. It's been so many years. It just doesn't it's not that it doesn't work. It's just you have to grow with the sport too. When you take time off and you go box and then you forget about the kicking game. What's the one thing that that changed within his first fight with Dustin and his second and third fight. Kicking game and 
MMA has changed completely. People went to Thailand. People learned how to kick better. People learned how to set up kicks to punches. Way more in MMA. People learn how to catch kicks, go to takedowns, yada, yada. Like, they, they learn the counters. And the Connor's still trying to do the trick thing. Darren Till said it best, and it's still funny. It's still, it's still funny to me now, even though he said it, like, on Wednesday. He said, I got the top five with the left hand. Connor, yeah, Connor won world championships with the left hand. But even Darren Till changed his style um, against Gaston, for example. Like, even he aged with the loss to Tyron Woodley. Connor, he can handle a loss, but in his mind, he never, ever thinks he did anything wrong. And yeah, he came back with the kicking thing, but it's just like, repeat. Okay, we're going to get this, Connor. Him coming back to fight Dustin a fourth time, like, I don't even think he should fight anymore. Like, there's no... Yeah, I guess for the chance... Like, I don't even really want to see him versus Nate. It just doesn't have that same feeling anymore. The magic's gone. You can feel it. The magic is gone. The guy is losing the way that, like, old people lose. Breaking bones. Like, it's just... It's just gone. I, it's very, very hard for me to have the same enthusiasm for MMA that I used to. Because there's no one out there that feels as enthusiastic about this either. There's no fighter out there that can express the same sort of showman and passion for the sport while also, like, you know, having a huge ego and doing all these other things. But there was a passion behind it that he loved this shit. You can just hear it in his voice. He doesn't love this anymore. So when he's, like, sitting there going, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do that to you and you're going to go out on a stretcher, it's like, I mean, you didn't believe your words so much that it happened to you. Like Dustin said, karma's a mirror. You didn't believe, like you were so insecure that you put yourself out in a stretcher. Because confidence can go one of two ways. Confidence can go, you're so confident that you become Mystic Mac. Or you become so, you, you believe your hype so much that the insecurity is this like looming thing in the back of your head that you become Mystic Mac, but the other way. You fuck yourself. You trip over your own feet. The worst thing that could happen to you happens. Right? You you public speak. You either give the best speech in the world or you fumble over your words and you, you can't string a sentence together. And you choke in front of however many people you're giving a speech in front of to. So... That was the fight. What's next for Dustin? Obviously, Charles Oliveira just booked the fight already. Dustin versus Charlie Olives. Dustin's fine. He's not hurt. He can fight tomorrow if he wanted to. Book the fight. It's the only one to make. Do that. Um, and then book Gaethje and Chandler as the co-main event. And then put Benil Dariush and... If Islam Makachev wins this weekend, you could throw him against Benil Dariush. That'd be a sick matchup. All right. So in the co-main event, we had Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Thompson. Uh, It's the only fight on this card that I did not think 
I didn't think it was going to go this way. I thought Gilbert Burns was going to have a tremendously hard time with the movement of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but he did what you're supposed to do. He wasn't afraid of the movement. I guess he got enough rounds with Raymond Daniels to the point where he's not intimidated by movement, and he has no reason to sit and stare at his work. He just moved forward, grabbed Wonderboy, and beat his personal, or actually just tied his personal record with takedowns. Um, there were some questionable shots at the very end of the fight, but Gilbert Burns doing doing the undoable, you know, especially in three rounds, not having to take it to a five, and going UD with him, taking it to a unanimous decision where he clearly beat Wonder Boy technically and through a game plan rather than split decision Tyron Woodley or knock him out clean like Anthony Pettis. So big, big ups on Gilbert Burns, the game planning and just being, I think the shot, when I saw him clear distance and grab that single leg with that speed, I was like, okay, where Gilbert shines at welterweight is how fast he's going to be. And I thought he wasn't going to be as fast as Steven Wonderboy Thompson, but he was fast enough that he got in on a leg so quick that even Wonderboy had a hard time. Oh my God. Like he, it was one of those things where it was, he shoots in and then Steven goes, Oh my God. Rather than usually Steven can see it coming. And then he just uses his footwork to get out, grab the hands and he can react. When Gilbert did it, it was like, he, he was behind a step on it. And that, I mean, big ups, big ups to Gilbert Burns getting past that. I don't know what that means. Um, Luke Thomas made a good point. I feel the same way. Kind of sucks. I kind of wanted Stephen Winneboy to win just because we would have new blood in welterweight and there'd be a new, like, it would just be a new matchup. It would be something different. But maybe Usman's legacy and what makes him so great is that it's going to be a lot of rematches because it's these guys that are so good. I mean, Gilbert just beat Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson. Fucking Usman finished him in two rounds. Like, easy. So, like, what if he has to fight Gilbert again? And what if it goes five rounds or whatever? And so, but he beats him again. Like, to me... This is why I'm becoming slowly more and more of a fan of Usman. Is it's just, it's harder to have the rematches because every round more you have with someone, the more and more they get to get a beat on you. And Gilbert has had rounds with Usman. And so the fact that he beat him in two rounds easy, and from what I see, Usman's got, he's got better success with rematches than he does with initial fights. So the Gilbert fight and the Colby fight, like I expect quicker, I expect quicker finishes. Um, but I have high expectations for him because he's a really uh, one of the best welterweights. All right, so in the heavyweight division, uh, we've got Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Tai Tuivasa doing what you need to do. Fuck yeah, he put Greg Hardy out. Take that. No one likes a woman beater. Yada yada yada. What does this say about Greg Hardy? Quit putting him in main events. Fucking cut him. I don't care. Um, I mean, unless we are in the business of watching Greg Hardy just get knocked out, 
which whatever, it's cool with. Um, there's no point in him being in heavyweight main cards. Um, tied to Ivasa doing great. I mean, he got clipped. I mean, it wasn't easy, but Greg Hardy kind of did the work for him, running right into him. But man, what a way to capitalize. If the Shuey celebration isn't a UFC four post-fight celebration, uh, EA Sports doesn't care about the fans. Because that shit, I mean, what? Who's done that? No one's ever done that. Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Steve Austin-esque. You know? One of a kind. Shuey tie to Ivo. Tie Shuey to Ivasa. Yes, or whatever. Um, I know he's Bam Bam to Ivasa, but if you're going to market something, if you're going to come up with a bar in New Zealand, there you go. Um, then we move on to Irina Aldana versus Yana Kuniskaya. What a fight. First round, Irene Aldana with the left hook to put Yana down. Same left hook that she put Ketlin Vieira down. I, her boxing, I knew was going to be. Um, I mean, she came in pretty heavy. She can get that back down. She came in like four pounds over. That's big deal. It's not no small potatoes in that one. Um, but she. She showed her clench escapes. She showed definite yeah, um, improvements in the takedown defense and just not getting, letting Yana get even deep on the hip at all. I mean, her boxing's a problem. Her boxing's the best in the division. It's definitely cleaner than Amanda Nunez's. I just think Amanda hits so hard and gets better every single day working with those coaches at ATT. But striking right, boxing, straight boxing. I mean, no girl's putting girls down with, like, left hooks the way she is. So, and I mean, she busted Yana up, even with the jab in the very... It was just a clear power different. <clears throat> she should get, like, free New England cartel admission as far as her boxing. It's just... It's like when Calvin and Rob box. There's a clear difference in the level of hand power. And this is where I'm going to slide to the Bantamweight with Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley beating Chris Moutinho. Chris Moutinho, short notice, making a bunch of fans, just going almost a distance. Um, as far as the stoppage is concerned, I don't take anything away from Herb Dean. Obviously, Herb Dean probably knew that it was closing, coming to the uh, end of the round and the end of the fight, but there's no inclination that Herb Dean was looking at the clock. Refs do not have a watch or a clock on hand. They, only if they look up at it can they see the time. So he probably didn't even know. Um, I'm just assuming that it was that close to the end of the round. And if even if he did know, whatever. This kid was getting the shit kicked out of him. I don't know. Um, when we get into the prelims, because I'm going to go into a little bit, but I'll go ahead and talk about it. Chris Moutinho's performance is what... is what... Ilya Topedia's performance was. Like, 
Chris Moutinho wanted to be like that, right? Chris Moutinho, for a guy who was long and kick heavy and Sean O'Malley, he, Sean O'Malley would let, go to the black line and stand behind him. Chris, instead of like staying outside of kicking range, all the way out or all the way in, and then finding his chance to go all the way in, he kind of like stood at, like he kept walking to the black line. Whereas Ilya, if you want to show if you want to show a comparison to the Ryan Hall fight, also a kick, a kick heavy person that wants to explode in to get into the legs, so needs the kicking distance to gauge his range. Sean needs his kicking distance to gauge his hands. Chris just like walked into it. Whereas Ilya stood right outside of range, so if they tried to throw it, he could be all the way out. And then if they missed, that's his chance to go all the way in. Chris tried to get the angle. He tried to, like, there were little moments where he, like, touched Sean. Like, he was trying to get in. Like, he tried to touch the body to go to the head. The problem is, is he was just, he would just walk right into the kicking range rather than staying right on the outside and then kind of using feints to go inside. Obviously, everyone enjoyed the fact that he kept going and whatever. Sean O'Malley picks up a win and lands 230 strikes. My only... My only... Issue when I see someone land that many strikes, right? And you're a hundred and at this point fifty pound man. It's the same thing with the Max Holloway thing. One, Max Holloway's there to get hit. And two, you hit that person that many times and they don't go out. Like that's my only concern with this. Is a guy even a Cody Garbrandt, he's going to sit on the outside. He's going to let you do all your movements and do all your kicking and like either stay all the way out. He does have a, He's pretty susceptible to the kicking game, but if he can stay all the way out, like you're 230 strikes. If Cody lands 70, he wouldn't even get to 70. He'd be out. Sean would be out before 70 strikes landed. The the two hundred something strike game, I get the num- racking the numbers up. It's great. It's whatever, but you don't get paid for overtime, my man. Like, sit down. Like he did at the end. That's what got him out of there. As soon as Sean sat down on the punches, Chris had no answer for it, and he got out of there. He could have done that in the second round. Anyway, uh, wins a win though, so good on him. He called out a bunch of top ranked people after. Good luck. Good luck. Um. All right, so things to take away from. I'm sorry, my parlay didn't work out for you. However, predictions were right. Uh, takeaways from the prelims. 
Jennifer Maya getting a win over Jessica I. It was a close fight. It wasn't the easiest. Um, Zuma Gulov hit the six submission. Brad Tavares looked awesome versus Omari Akhmedov. All right, so in the prelims, Carlos Condit just got outstruck, outworked by Max Griffin. Michelle Pajeda looked good against Nico Price, but once again, just reasons why they were the favorites. And then Ilya Topuria had, the, I think, the best performance. I mean, just figured Ryan Hall out, kind of made him look like he didn't belong in there. Just stayed composed and, like, didn't... If someone's so awkward, you kind of just have to let them be awkward and let the awkwardness show. It's kind of like what Cody did to Dom. Dom looks great when someone shells up and goes backwards or they just come rushing forward. But if you sit back and make him be offensive, it looks weird. Like, you might as well... you. That's why having fundamentals and just being fundamentally a good fighter is big. If you can just go out there and jab and low kick with anybody, then you don't have to focus on these big movements. It's a double-edged sword. It's got a great reward. It works. But when it doesn't work, it looks foolish. And that's what happened. He just waited. He bided his time, waited for Ryan to have a big... Big movement, give his back, and then defend one one submission attempt and immediately start punching the face. Boom, 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 boom. You start going for legs, punch him in the face. He's also built pretty compactly for, like, leg attacks. He doesn't have long legs, so Ryan had to do more and just any exposure. Wheelia packs a punch. He's Georgian. He's great. And then Drickus Duplessis looked awesome in his fight against Trevin Giles. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, yeah, Drickus Duplessis. Uh, shout out to South Africa on that one. Yep, he just, he's got a very strange game. Um, he shells up, shells up, shells up. And then as soon as someone tries to overcommit, he uses his 185-pound self and counters. Um, Trevin tried to pull away with his hand down, tried to do like a pull away, and Drickus just like walked forward with his cross and did all. And then the momentum took care of the rest. A nice win, um, yeah. And and that's about it. Yeah, so. Those are the fights. Not much more to say about that. It was on a right night. It was good fights. Um, next or this coming week, we got another card coming up. We got the return of Misha Tate. We got Islam Makachev versus Chago Moises. Jeremy Stevens coming back. It's a pretty good card. Um, I'll do a breakdown of that later this week, just so I bring out more episodes and do actual like MMA news. 
uh, talk about what's going on this week, the rest of the fallout of what happened this past weekend. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your rest of your Monday. Um, check out SouthernScrapNation.com, SouthernScrapNation on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and then check out Daniel Jonas 94 on Instagram for any more information on that seminar. All right. Stay safe, and until next time, peace.